0: Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now. And it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up and let's get started. Fashion designer August Getty is a gentle soul whose goal is to create a fully inclusive, fully immersive sartorial world where everyone is welcome. All that is required is that you be yourself 100%, both in the real world in one of his one-of-a-kind couture creations, or in the digital sphere where he has recently created a whole new virtual universe that he has baptized Tinnitus. It is inside Tinnitus that August has brought to life four digital fashion gowns for this past haute couture season, with 3D imagery so detailed it probably caused some of the biggest couture houses to turn green with envy. The designer spent six months creating these three-dimensional virtual gowns, and he intends to expand on this concept with the upcoming couture shows this summer. Based in Los Angeles, the August Getty Atelier has become my niche go-to fashion house for celebrities like Miley Cyrus, Cher, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Zendaya, and I could go on. All of them looking for outfits that are bold, unexpected, and wholly original for their galas, red carpets, and event outfits. Because let's get one thing straight, August designs ensembles for maximum impact. For August, who is an autodidact designer, the goal of fashion, which he says he has loved all the way back to when he was in the womb, is how transformative it can be. It can make you brave and it can give you strength to become the person you want to be. Turn fiction into reality with fashion. That's what makes it so magical and so powerful. August, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I'm really excited to finally get to do this with you.
1: Thank you for having me. Me too.
0: So listen, I want to start off with, you know, a a softball question and just tell me a little bit about your origin story. Tell me about when you first were bitten by the the fashion bug, let's say.
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, it was in the womb. It was was destined to happen for me. Uh, um, You know, I've never said that I wanted to be anything. I just naturally was something. And it all started with me in restaurants when I was three years old, putting like napkins on forks and tying them around. And then I graduated to Barbies and then using my mom's old shoe bags as my couture and uh, using hair ties to tie it for them. And then that's, that's kind of where it all started. And then I got into sketching shortly after that. And then it was just a natural progression.
0: And so I know you're an autodidact designer, so you're self-taught. What was the thinking behind that? Did you just not want to go to a a fashion school? Did you feel like you just had it in your bones? What was the what was the thought process behind that part of the whole fashion aspect?
1: Well, I'm not great at being told what to do. (laughs) That was was the first part, and I also knew that I didn't want to sell cookies. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I I don't want to make Hanes. I don't want to make a white T-shirt. They're great. They're practical. But that's not me and so I didn't want to be taught in a way that I couldn't teach myself. And it's also I, I more want to always express and evoke storytelling with what I do rather than selling garments and selling clothes. Wow. And so it, it just comes naturally to me, something that can't be taught.
0: When you talk about the, the storytelling that that's the, that the, basically the clothing is a vessel for the storytelling that you want you want to tell the world, what is that message? What is that story that you want to tell with your clothing, with your collections?
1: It changes every, with every collection. I kind of think of myself as a poet uh, in like an Edgar Allan Poe sense where it's, it's dark and it's uh, macabre, but it's also beautiful and serene. But me as a, as a designer, I always just want to evoke kindness. Mm. And uh, I want to create a, a safe space for everybody.
0: Well, you're actually your Atelier collection, your signature Atelier collection, is coming out, I think next year to be ten years in existence. Can you talk to me a little bit about the evolution and your, you know, your big life lessons during this time? What you, you know, your biggest surprises? Just give me a little bit of a blow-by-blow. Blow what this last, this first almost decade has been like for you?
1: <laughs> you just, you just sent me for a loop right there. Ten years. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I cannot believe that.
0: Yeah, 2012. Oh.
1: That's insane. My, uh, the evolution has been, I think, extraordinarily rewarding and creatively for myself. Because mm-hmm. I think, especially after the second collection with the other woman collection, it was a uh, very immersive, I scented the runway, like tobacco. Uh, and that was what kind of my first, it was me dipping my little pinky toe into the swimming pool of what I'm creating today. And I think I've evolved so much as a designer and just I've really let myself be me. And I've really just opened up the floodgates to who I am as a person as well. I can't believe it's been 10 years.
0: Yeah, I'm tripping you out right now. I can see it on your face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just
1: totally got lost. My mom's gonna die. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what what about the fact that, okay, so it's couture, it's made to measure, you know, order by order per the design of the, the person who wants to wear it. What made you decide to do that in Los Angeles as opposed to the fashion capital of the world where Couture lives and breathes, which is in Paris? Why Los Angeles? I mean, I know that's your home, but was it, was it more than that?
1: You know, I've tried to live in many other places. I've tried to live in Miami where I love so much and inspires me every day. I've tried to live uh, where my mom is from Italy. I've tried to live in Paris too. But nothing feels right as me being in Los Angeles. I have my support system, I have my, my family, I have my chosen family, I have my mom. Um, it's where the Atelier was created and it just, it's uncomparable
0: hmm what kind of I mean because it must give you a it's a unique perspective I mean I'm born and raised in San Francisco my brother lives in Hollywood and you know my sister's in Orange County so I I get what you're talking about but can you articulate maybe what it's like to be a designer you know I I've talked to like the Rodarte sisters about this as well because they design out in California but what it is is about about California or having that outsider's perspective to the couture world what does that give you?
1: Well, one of the things it gives me is that I have very close relationships with stylists and style houses, and um, this is where the red carpets happen. And so it kind of makes sense for me to be here since I've always been here as well. And, you know, instead of sending things in a week or two weeks, if somebody needs to call me and they'll say, hey, I need this for Rachel McAdams for the Oscars, I'll be like, oh, okay. I'll call the studio up and we'll have it sent to you in 10 minutes um so that's definitely one of the advantages that i have being here
0: yeah it's almost a sustainable couture in a way if you're talking about the really? right
1: part it's, it's very sustainable i'm also i like being one of the few if the only los angeles couturier
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's it, a bit of a niche
1: It just it, it kind of gives me a little bit of an edge which i live for
0: <laughs> well i mean you mentioned you you name-checked rachel um but you've 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 gotten some, you know, very big gets. I mean, from Lady Gaga to my idol Cher to Ali Cyrus, Zendaya, of course, who's the one right now, right? Everyone's talking about Zendaya. Can you tell me, uh, give me a great story about maybe one of those partnerships and then maybe who's still on your bucket list as someone you would love to get your on? I'll,
1: I'll do you one and better. I'll give you the Cher story.
0: Oh yes, please.
1: So when I was a baby, my mom used to be roommates with Cher.
0: I had no idea.
1: Like, yes, this is like Bob Mackie days. Used to live in her house with like a laundry uh, line separating their rooms. It was fabulous, she said. Um, but when I went to her house, I was, I was a little kid and I was how little kids are. And I was a wretched little person. <laughs> and so when I dressed her for her album cover, um, Dancing Queen, I went to her house a couple years ago and I walked in and I sat in her living room for a little while. And she was like blasting her music. And then she came out and she was like, hi, August. And I was like, hi. And one of the first things out of my mouth, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she goes, for what? I go, for being a kid and for being stupid. And she was like, oh, it's fine. You we were born a boy. They're all like that.
0: <laughs> She's got a point. She's got a point. But she, she sounds amazing. How, what, a, what an amazing experience. I mean, she just... She walks the walk and talks the talk, that woman.
1: It was so full circle for me too. And then we FaceTimed my mom, I cried. Um, I told her that I wanted the, the outfit back so that we could put it in like a rock and roll Hall of Fame kind of deal. And she was like, you want this back? You just gave it to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's Cher for you in a nutshell. Yeah, that's fair. And so, and so you've got Cher. So I imagine that's, I think that is actually impossible to top, but is there anybody else you would love to create a, a a dream dress for a dream outfit for?
1: Oh, Monica Bellucci. (gasps) Okay. She's it for me. What is it about her? It's just, it's her and Sophia Loren. It's just that Italian, just Raw sex appeal of owning the world and owning yourself as a human being. I just, I fall in love with them every single day.
0: Yeah, they definitely, you know, sit in their power as women, you know, they don't, yeah. you know, don't suffer fools. But okay, so you said you started into, you know, so you started in 2012, um, you started in Los Angeles, but in 2019, you were like, all right, we're showing in Paris. What was the choice, the decision? What was the thinking behind that decision? And what did it mean to you to show in Paris?
1: I think it was, quite honestly, um, I didn't know where I fit in Mm
0: -hmm.
1: at all. You know, I tried New York. I tried Milan. I tried L.A. with my show with David LaChapelle. And nothing quite fit. And couture really gave me the, in many ways, people think that it's trapping because it's so precise and there are rules, but it's quite freeing for me to show my storytelling the way that I really want to show it and have it be seen by not people just buying a ticket to a front row, but being seen by respected people and respective people
0: mm-hmm. of my
1: work. Uh, um, and I finally I finally found home.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, unfortunately this, this last year uh, was a challenge to show anything. Everything, of course, went digital. And, and I know that this last collection that you presented was all 100% digital, and I wanna talk about that. But I do wanna talk about you more personally, what this last year has been like for you, both for you and for your company, seeing as there were no red carpets, no galas, no event dressing. How did you as a person grow and pivot and your company grow and pivot during this last year?
1: Well, you know, with with my new work, Tinnitus, honestly, that shows exactly how I was. My mental health went way out of hand. Hmm. My my psyche was destroyed just by everything that was happening with what, what, what I was watching on the news, what I was being told by the city texting me, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was heartbreaking for me. And I went into a very, very, very dark place.
0: Wow, okay. And,
1: and I just had to sit and ride the wave and go through with it. And then eventually I came through the other side and I was like sketching on the floor, like with my sketchbook, sitting cross-legged, like I did like when I was a kid. It really brought me back to my roots I designed the entire collection of tinnitus. Mm -hmm. I was like, August, I know you're suffering right now, but we need to make a space for people who are suffering during and after this pandemic for them never to feel like the way that you're feeling ever again. And that's what this whole work was about. You know, I wanted to build a world that was built around anxiety and depression, but for you to be able to look at your disabilities, your struggles and repaint it in a vibrant color, So you don't have to be depressed of your depression or anxious from your anxiety anymore. Mm -hmm. You can just accept it and be like, this is a part of me and it's beautiful. And then you can walk the walk and move forward. And that's honestly what helped me out.
0: But so, but then break it down for me a little bit more for because my understanding is, of course, there's the collection, the four completely digital pieces that dresses, gowns that you created. And I, I do have my favorite. Um, and then also the world itself, you know, how do they tell me? I want you to like kind of parcel that out a little bit for me so that people can understand.
1: Okay. Well, the world will always be the world of tinnitus, it will always exist. I hope to come back to it. We're doing a part two in July where, um, I hope to do a part three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, like sporadically throughout my life. Um, and the world will never change, but it's home of these uh, garments that crashed through, through um, the vibration, through sound, and they've molded into these beautiful garments. Mm. And these garments have become almost warrior-esque and they've been uh, the spokespeople of this world. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now tell me your favorite.
0: (laughs) favorite It's the, the bustier and it's pinks and and the beading. It's all, I have all pinks. This is what's coming up to me. as far as the color scheme, I think it was like the number four and, and it, and she's like over water, I think. Anyway, I'm even talking, I'm even giving it a name. I'm saying she, the dress, right? Um, Which is, is interesting in itself but I understand that it took like so this is a big debate in, in the fashion industry where we're talking about being more sustainable by going digital and, you know, creating on online. But the people are saying, well, it's super expensive. And I know that yours, it took like six months to make it as detailed. Because I was also really impressed by how far in you could get to the detail work. I mean, especially when in relationship to some of the fashion shows we see where you you don't, you know, you don't have a really good angle. You can't really get the details of the clothes depending on the film. So for you to have... Uh, you know, these dresses that were so detailed, but then again, it took six months. So what's the thinking in relationship to the validity or the possibility of this in the future as an option for other houses?
1: Well, definitely something that this taught me was patience. (laughs) And it taught me to sit down for a moment because even during my shows, you know, I'm adding, beating to it at the ninth hour, you know, at at the fifth inning, like then and there, they have to walk out in 30 seconds and I'm sewing <laughs> so ready. And that doesn't work for digital at yeah. all. It takes months and months and months and months. And I definitely think that in the future, it is a, it's not a necessity, but it's an incredible asset to have on your tool belt. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the beautiful things about it is that everyone gets to see it around the world and it makes Couture not seem as this elitist society which it isn't Mm -hmm. um but the people that can't go to france or we we can't even go to france right now yeah it's um it's so beautiful to show to share it with my with my french family Mm -hmm. and to and to have something to say behind it was so important for me as well
0: and so you mentioned in passing that you have a plan for July Haute Couture with, with the world that you created digitally because you created the dresses that kind of represented at least this this past season. But can you talk a little bit about more, a little more about what you want to do in July or is that still hush hush?
1: It's so funny. You know, somebody asked me that question right after part one came out and I was like, is this not enough? <laughs> this just came out. I just gave you this. Uh, um it will definitely be an immersive experience into the same realm of tinnitus. Okay. And it will, the world of tinnitus is colorful. I'll just say that.
0: All right. Um, well, then let's move on. I, you know, besides fashion, I know another big part of your your life and what you're passionate about is philanthropy, working um, with the LGBTQ community. Um, there's been a, a lot of hot button topics in this last year. A lot of stuff going on, you know, racial equality, you know, social justice, representation. Uh, what has been your feeling about that part of this past year, and where do you want to take your um, paying it back or paying it forward in the future? As you think about how you want to continue to raise this the awareness about this community,
1: it just it makes me want to push more and more for for equality and for communities that have been disrupted and the injustice that's been happening is, is so sickly to me. And it just shows me how much work we have to do, how thankful I am that we're finally being shown this and it's come to light because mm-hmm. all of this has been happening for years. And it just shows us as a, as a society how much work we have to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That I'm ready and I'm not going to stop.
0: Yeah, no, I was I was really impressed how you know things more. For example, we were talking about Black Lives Matter, and then it and then it became Trans Lives Matter, and how that you know that how that grew out of that, and then me that awareness, my like my children going, okay, so what's trans, and trying to educate them about that. So it was it's been a really quite kind of a, on a lot of levels a teachable year um, for many many different things. Thank but, God, because
1: every, everybody finally sat down and they and 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 they were forced to listen.
0: Mm-hmm. no I agree and educate for those for those who don't you know who have no point of reference who are completely living in their bubble to to have that burst in in, in, a, in a really intense way but a needed way I'm, I'm curious to know I know how much blood sweat and tears went into creating this universe and creating this completely virtual collection um, was but I'm wondering you know is there anything you talked about how this last year was really difficult for you but I'm wondering if there's anything that's you know, percolating that you're fascinated by besides fashion or that you a hobby that you picked up over this last year or something else that you kind of done to self-soothe in this last year. I've been obsessing over musicals.
1: Really? I, I have to be honest. It's it's my it's not even a guilty pleasure. It's just a straight up pleasure. <laughs> um, oh I could give you some I could give you a a tidbit for my, my future collection.
0: Ooh, do tell.
1: Um, the title of it is Onion Girl hmm. and it's based around a musical that I was writing during quarantine.
0: Wow that's a great yeah. title. Onion Girl? Yeah I like it. Very
1: Incredible. Get too close she'll make you cry. She's layered and I was just diving into that and I was, but my my friend who was living with me at the time. She was. I was like blasting Wicked at the top of my lungs and singing along at like eight o'clock in the morning. She was like, "Can you shut up, please?" I was like, no, it's art. Painting myself green. <laughs> is
0: that your is that your go to? So I was about to ask you, like, what's your go to musical and your go to song from a musical? Is that it?
1: Oh, Wicked for sure, but also my, my godmother, or she, her name is Orfe. She, she's a Broadway queen. She was in um, Legally Blonde. She's in Pretty Woman. So anything she's in, I'm, I'm sold. You're so there for that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Up until now, what would you say have been your biggest takeaways about fashion? Clearly it fills an, a, a need in you, uh, you know, a desire in you. Can you talk to me about what it is that fashion fills in your life?
1: Me being able to express it makes me feel valid. And it gives me the opportunity to have the platform that I do. And it's almost the vessel for it. And what I have to say is much bigger than anything I must create. And in that sense, I'm extraordinarily thankful for it. And I love making people happy. And I love making women happy, trans people happy, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: non-binary people happy. I love fixing the world one secret at a time.
0: Oh my God, that is the perfect tagline. I love fixing the world one sequence at a time. That is brilliant. Um, okay, well this leads me to, perfectly into my five generic fashion questions that I have asked everyone I've ever interviewed. So are you ready? Here we go.
1: Let's do it.
0: Okay. What is your favorite piece of clothing that you own yourself that you cherish above all others?
1: I have a George Michael faith leather jacket.
0: Shut the front door. Are you kidding me from the video?
1: from the video it was Faith or Freedom, um, but I, d- I have it, it's in my closet right now. I bring it with me for every collection and I sleep in it every night for every single show.
0: So it is your, really your lucky charm.
1: It is, and it's completely studded and it's the worst sleep of my entire life, but I, I can't not do it. <laughs>
0: Well, it's done. It's it served you well so far. You know, we talk about, you know, couture is a, a really quite a costly piece to in, invest in. You know, it's, it's for some, it's the price of a small car. What if you were to tell somebody, maybe not everybody has a whole lot of money, but if there was one item that they should really save up and invest a quality, you know, buy quality as opposed to just buying something, what would that one item be?
1: A good duster. Really? A good duster and a good moto jacket. Okay.
0: Why, why are those two the ones for you?
1: Because you can layer them, they're strong. You can wear them on top of a bikini. You can wear them on top of a gown and you're good to go. Yep. That, that, that and a good eyeliner. That and you're set.
0: Oh, so not lipstick, eyeliner. Okay.
1: Eyeliner all the way, boom, Met Gala.
0: <laughs> okay, um, who is your favorite designer, living or dead?
1: Lee McQueen i Gianni Versacek.
0: Yeah, Johnny's also up there. Um, what trend will you never follow? Trends. Yeah, they seem, I would say no more trends, but more like tribes these days. And flats. <laughs> no flats, no trends, got it, okay. And wow. then the, my last question for you is, what do you love most about fashion?
1: Freedom, I, lo- I love that if you're not brave, You can throw on a piece of clothing and become brave. And then in hopes of that, you know, I've always said clothing looks best on the bedroom floor. The the whole whole ethos behind what, what I do is that I hope you put on my clothing. And then when you take it off, you carry around that feeling forever. And that's what I love about fashion. You can lie to yourself every fucking day, excuse me, every single day. And then one day that lie will become real.
0: I love the positivity. August, this has been such a delight and so long overdue. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I hope we get to do it again on some other platform and some other way in the future. And I hope to see you maybe this summer here in Paris.
1: Let's do it. I'll be right back here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Listen, big kiss from Paris. Thank you. Fashion your seatbelt. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.